Turn together to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, and we're picking it up tonight in verse 14, which is where things really start to get uh, difficult as far as interpretation goes. Um, remember that this is um, what we call the Olivet Discourse. Uh, Jesus teaching his disciples uh, very near the time of his crucifixion. This is the last week of his earthly ministry. He's been teaching in the uh, temple uh, throughout the week. And on uh, a certain occasion when he and his disciples left the temple, um, the, some of the disciples, or one of the disciples said to him, uh, in verse 1, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. So admiring the temple, right? And uh, then Jesus' response to that, Jesus doesn't always respond to statements and questions the way that people expect him to. His response to that is, well, those buildings are going to be destroyed very soon. Not one stone is going to be left down, uh, left one upon another. Um, and so naturally his disciples want to know more about that. You can't just say that and not tell me <laughs> more details. When is that going to happen? How are we going to know when that's about to happen? So that's what his disciples ask him in verse 4. And then before he really starts to answer that those questions of when this destruction of the temple is going to happen and what will be the signs that this destruction is about to occur, before he answers those two questions, he tells his disciples about things that are going to happen before that time. So he says there's going to be people claiming to be the Messiah that you need to watch out for and not believe. There's going to be wars, rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes. There's going to be all kinds of stuff going on in the world. Don't freak out when that happens. That is part of uh, the way things are in this fallen world. It's the beginning of the birth pangs. It is leading up to uh, the dramatic conclusion at the end, but those are not signs of the end, right? If we thought every war that broke out in the Middle East was the sign of the end, you know, people would have been on their toes for the last 2,000 years, which maybe is kind of what has happened. But Jesus told us, you know, don't uh, be alarmed, right? Don't be too concerned. And he also told them that you are going to be persecuted, you're going to be, uh, you know, beaten, you're going to be uh, given opportunities to testify before different people about me. Don't worry when that happens. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, but you need to know in advance that maybe even people from your own family will uh, betray you, oppose you because of your allegiance to me and your faithfulness to the gospel. What you need to do is endure to the end because the one who endures to the end uh, will be saved, right? Re uh, endure through all this persecution. Now, in verse 14, he begins to talk about, I, I take this anyway to mean uh, that Jesus now is saying, here's, what the, here's what's going to happen when the temple is destroyed. If you want to know like, what to look for and what the sign is going to be when that's about to happen, I think he starts to answer that question in verse 14. Now, it's not all... Uh, terribly straightforward, it's still quite difficult to interpret, but I think, at least in part, beginning in verse 14, he's answering the question, both questions, when is this going to happen, and how will we know when it's about to happen? So let me read for us verse 14 to 23, and then we'll see how much of that we can work our way through. He says, but when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, 
Let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And a lash for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that it may not happen in winter. For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Okay, now let's see. We might only get through verse like 14, but we'll see how far we go. So, um, verse 14, he, there's a, a little bit of a transition here, right, from what he's been talking about. He says, but when you see this, and he uses this phrase, the abomination of desolation. Now, what is he talking about when he refers to this abomination of desolation? As is often the case when we come across something that we don't understand uh, right away, uh, this is something drawn from the Old Testament. Often if you read something and you start scratching your head, uh, there's some connection to something earlier in the Bible that you're missing. That's a, a lot of times uh, what's going on. So the abomination of desolation is something that is spoken of in uh, the book of Daniel. Right? So uh, you might think, oh good, a difficult passage in Mark that's explained by the most difficult book to interpret in the Old Testament, probably, the book of Daniel. Um, but that's where this phrase comes from. Right, so uh, this is part of why this is so. This all this is so difficult, right? Um, this uh, idea, this abomination of desolation, shows up three times in the book of Daniel: once in chapter nine, and once in chapter eleven, and once in chapter twelve. It shows up in chapter nine of Daniel in certainly the most difficult part of Daniel to interpret. There's no doubt. Um, and um, this is what this is part of what it says. Um, After the sixty-two weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed, and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator all right now that in itself is a whole you know who knows how long of study and at least one night of teaching to try to work through all of that uh obviously we can't do that Right now, but just a couple of things to point out is that there's reference to an anointed one, probably the Messiah, who is cut off. Uh, there's reference to the city and the sanctuary, almost certainly talking about Jerusalem. Um, there's, and then there's this reference to uh, abominations shall come, uh, the, on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate. So this idea of abomination, desolation comes together. And then in chapter 11, 
of Daniel and verse 31. And chapter 11 is not super easy to interpret either. Um, It is a long litany of prophecies of events that would happen that are... um, can be historically verified, I mean, in very detailed way, but you have to know or have access to a lot of history that happened between the Old and the New Testament that most of us don't know offhand. Um, but uh, you can look all, all this stuff up and read about it, and there's it's very, very detailed. But anyway, um, in verse 31... Uh, Well, actually, let me back up um, to verse 29. It says, At the time appointed, he shall return. This is one of the kings he's talking about, I think. Uh, He shall return and come into the south, but it shall not be this time as it was before. For ships of Katim shall come against him, and he shall be afraid and withdraw, and shall turn back and be enraged, and take action against the holy covenant. He shall turn back and pay attention to those who forsake the holy covenant. Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. Now, in this instance, uh, we can be pretty sure uh, what this prophecy is referring to. That this is almost certainly refer. I think there's maybe some disagreement about this, but I think by and large people would agree that this prophecy is referring to a man named Antiochus IV Epiphanes, who was one of the kings that came after when Alexander the Great conquered, you know, basically the whole known world, and then he died, and his kingdom was split up among four of his generals into four provinces. Um, and one of the uh, there is the, and the, the two you've probably heard of are the Seleucid dynasty and the uh, Ptolemies who ruled Egypt. Um, and, the Ty- and Tychus the fourth Epiphanes was he came from the Seleucid uh, line of rulers, and uh, so he was a king over one of these parts of what was left of Alexander the Great's empire. And I think this is around 165, if I'm remembering correctly, um, when I was. Uh, reading about this, around 165, his army uh, defied, well, so first of all, you've got Egypt over here, and then you've got this other big part of what was Alexander's empire over here, and the little, almost like the land bridge in between the two is Israel, right? So this is why Israel's in the middle of all this conflict. Um, it's, uh, his army defiled the temple uh, in Jerusalem and put an end to their sacrifices and put up an altar to a false god and slaughtered a pig on the altar. So that would be the abomination that makes desolate. A pig, of course, is an unclean animal for the Jewish people. And so to sacrifice a pig on an altar in the temple area is essentially the most desecrating thing you could possibly do. Um, and uh, so that, that happened in 165 B.C., and you can read about that in um, the book called First Maccabees, which is not a biblical book, but is a historical book. Uh, it's found in the Apocrypha. Um, it's, we don't believe it's inspired, but it does tell us some of what happened in between the Old and New Testament. And I think, if I remember correctly from reading this afternoon, that's in First uh, Maccabees, I think in chapter 1. So you can read about what he did. So that prophecy... Uh, in Daniel 11 was fulfilled before we got to the New Testament, right? And then there's another another mention in Daniel 12, but I don't think it really um, 
adds much. Daniel 12.11 says, From the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days and so on. I mean, if we were, to di- if we were digging through Daniel, we would want to know the specifics. But as far as what we're doing right now, um, I'm not a, I don't think that really... It's just another... For us, it's just another mention of that. Um, there may be more to that if we were to dig into it. But um, all that to say, when we get into Mark 13... And Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be. He's certainly referring to the prophecies of Daniel. And uh, probably um, the people who were listening to him uh, say this, disciples who were listening to him say this, probably they would have in the back of their minds, I thought that already happened. I, I thought they would all know the story of Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes. It was, I mean, it's like September 11th for us or Pearl Harbor. I mean, it's one of the most devastating events in their recent history. They would all know about it. Um, and uh, so when he says, when you see the abomination of desolation, desolation standing where he ought not to be, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. What he's saying is, Something like what happened when Antiochus the Fourth Epiphanes came and desolated our temple and, and defiled it by sacrificing a pig on the altar and all that. That kind of thing is going to happen again. Right? And this is not unusual for Scripture where uh, we something happens and then you see the same pattern repeated and repeated and repeated. Um, you think it's just going to be you know, a one-time thing, but then it ends up being the kind of thing that happens over and over and over. Um, and so that prophecy in Daniel 11 has already been fulfilled, but the one in Daniel 9, if it's specifically tied to the Messiah, then maybe that's a different abomination of desolation, and maybe that's the one that Jesus is talking about here. Again, this is, these are very difficult things to put together. But um, Mark to make sure we don't miss what Jesus is saying, throw this in this little comment, right? Let the reader understand. In other words, I know that what is being said here is not super plain, so I'm trying to kind of like nudge you in the ribs and say, hey, make sure you don't miss what Jesus is doing here. He's, he's alluding to, he's nodding to this prophecy from Daniel that in some sense has already been fulfilled, but now he's saying something like that is going to happen again in the future, and that's going to be connected to this destruction of the temple that he's talking about. And the reason why we know this is something that he is saying is going to happen again in the, in the future, the future for him um, and for his disciples, is that then he says, then when you see that, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. So when you see this happening, when you see this abomination, whatever it's going to be, that reminds you of what it was like when Antiochus came and defiled the temple. Whenever you see that, you get out of town. If you are anywhere in that area, Judea is the area surrounding Jerusalem. If you're anywhere around there and you see this happen, you need to flee. You need to get away. Um, and it's going to be so bad that he says in verse 15, let the one who is on the housetop not go down nor enter his house to take anything out, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. 
So he's telling them, the, you asked, you know, when is this going to happen and what's going to be the sign that it's going to happen? The, the sign that it's going to happen is this abomination of desolation. That's how I'm understanding what he's saying. And that sign is going to be so near the time of destruction that once you see the sign, you don't have time to go inside and pack your bag and, and leave town. You need to leave right then. Don't go into your house for your possessions. Don't come in from the field to get stuff. You, you know, start running as, as soon as you see this begin to happen because um, everything bad that's going to happen at this time is going to happen fairly quickly. So you need to leave immediately. And by the way, um, I mentioned that I, I thought uh, there was somebody, I mentioned, uh, I think a week or two ago, that I thought there was um, somebody who told us that there were a lot of Jewish Christians who survived the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD uh, because of this prophecy from Jesus. And I was reading about that this afternoon, and um, uh, apparently where that comes from is a statement in, um, oh, what's his name? Um, Eusebius uh, of Caesarea, who was the early, probably the earliest church historian, um, and he said that the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem received an oracle that warned them about this coming destruction, and so they fled. And so the scholars debate, you know, is that, is the oracle he was talking about this prophecy in the Gospels? Um, or was it some other thing? And, you know, uh, there's all kinds of questions they have because that's their job is to ask questions. But that maybe that's what he's talking about. But anyway, um, so he says, get out of there quickly. And he says, verse 18, pray that it might, may not happen in winter because the last thing you want to do is be on the run fleeing your town in the wintertime. It makes everything more difficult. That's why he says, you know, alas for women who are pregnant and nursing because they're already more vulnerable anyway and uh, uh, less uh, able to handle all the, uh, the stress that's going to be involved in a situation like this and their children are at risk with, with the increased stress and danger and all that kind of thing. Um, and so um, that all seems to be talking about um, this uh, destruction of the temple that we know happened in 70 A.D., but what he says next makes us wonder if he's not talking about something else that remains future for us, right? Verse 19, or excuse me, yeah, verse 19, he says, For in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of the creation that God created until now and never will be. So, when Jesus says that, is he talking about the events of 70 AD? Is he saying that there will never be anything worse in the future than what is about to happen 40 years from now? It's possible, right? But most of us, uh, the way we understand how things are going to play out in the future, in the book of Revelation and all that kind of stuff, most of us would say, you know, I'm pretty sure that there are going to be worse things to come than this. Um, and uh, so that makes us start thinking, well, maybe there's... Is he talking about 70 AD or is he talking about something else? Is he talking about 70 AD and something else? Um, and so here, here's... I think it's both, 
Right? I think that he is talking about 70 AD, but just like the prophecy in Daniel that was fulfilled in 165 BC is now reaches another fulfillment in 70 AD, I think Jesus' words are fulfilled in 70 AD and perhaps will be fulfilled in another sense later on down the line. Whether that involves the temple and this abomination or not, very possible. 2 Thessalonians 2 seems to point us that direction. Or whether, that's, that's, so that's a possibility. Or it's possible that in verse, uh, that he's like starting to shift toward a, a different future event. It's Again, all really difficult to put together. But here's how, let me, since I'm probably confusing you at this point, let me read a clear, a, a clear word from a couple of scholars who um, written a commentary on the Gospel of Mark that's very good that I lean on a lot. And this, this is what these guys say. They say, in the light of the many uncertainties, which we would underline that, yes, lots of uncertainties, we may cautiously interpret Jesus' reference in the same way that we have interpreted the discourse as a whole, all of chapter 13. Jesus' reference to Daniel's abomination functions as an eschatological, just in times, image with multiple fulfillments. One, the Maccabean period, that's Antiochus Epiphanes, the fourth that I, Antiochus fourth Epiphanes that I mentioned. Two, the events of AD uh, 70. Um, and three, the end time. So they say this it refers to all three of those things. Jesus uses the various desecrations of the temple in history to predict a final great catastrophic crisis that will occur in the immediate lead up to the coming of the Son of Man and the end of the age. Right, so um, they're saying, yes, it's about 70 AD, but yes, it's also about something that's going to happen in the future. Now, um, when Jesus says it's going to be so bad, nothing will have ever been or will ever be as bad as that. Um, It was bad enough that when you start to hear some of the details, you can go, well, I mean, I can see why you would describe it that way. Like um, one of the things I remember uh, reading about that event from this afternoon, they said that the Jews at that period uh, when they were, you know, I guess besieging Jerusalem and, and going to destroy the temple and all that, they said that the Jew or excuse me, the Romans crucified so many Jews during that period of time they ran out of trees. So it was it was a horrifying, terrible period of time, and this actually was drawn out until I think 135. There were Jews who. Um, held out against the Romans. They lost Jerusalem, but then they sort of withdrew from Jerusalem and they held out against the Romans. Um, in 135, there was, some of you have maybe seen the movie or heard the story of Masada, right, where there's this fortress that um, Herod had built up on a mountaintop and the last holdout of the rebellion, the Jews who were you know, holding out against the Romans were up in that fortress and the Romans besieged them. And, um, you know, the Romans won, and is a terrible, tragic story the way it happened. But um, anyway, so I mean, it was a horrific period of time. I mean, and terrible suffering for the Jews. Um, but for people who have you know witnessed the 20th century, you say, well, was it worse than the Holocaust? Though, you know, 
Probably not. Or, you know, or how can you even weigh those things? I mean, they're both atrocious uh, events. So, uh, like I said, lots of difficult things um, to sort of parse out in here. What Another scholar um, uh, says it this way. He says, here in Mark 13, God's immediate judgment on his people at one particular point in history... AD 70, is almost imperceptibly dovetailed into his universal judgment on humanity at the last day. Right? So in some sense, it's kind of like the story of the flood. Right? The story of the flood is a particular moment of judgment upon the earth. But um, like Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3, the flood also tells us, hey, this kind of thing is probably going to happen again. Right? We know it is going to happen again. And people who say, no way there's going to be this great cataclysmic judgment on the whole world sometime in the future. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't happen. And Peter says, haven't you guys read Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, 9? That has happened before. Right? So um, this, these events of AD 70 were not only a terrible judgment that fell upon the Jews immediately after their rejection of the Messiah, but also probably look forward to a further terrible judgment that is going to come upon the world at the end, at the coming of the Messiah, right? So um, we should probably stop there because it doesn't get any easier after that, and we've already been going for quite a while. So um, let me pause.